0: Hey everyone, I'm Ryan Calamea.
1: And I'm Amy Gosha.
0: Welcome to The Divorce at Altitude, a podcast on Colorado family law.
1: Divorce is not easy, it really sucks, trust me, I know. Besides being an experienced divorce attorney, I'm also a divorce client.
0: Whether you are someone considering divorce or a fellow family law attorney, listen in for weekly tips and insight into topics related to divorce, co-parenting, and separation in Colorado. Welcome back to another episode of Divorce at Altitude. This is your co-host, Ryan Kalamea. This week, we are going to be joined by one of our associate attorneys, uh, Chip Dunn. uh, So people can learn a little bit more about uh, the team behind uh, Amy and me at Kalamea Gosha and uh, an opportunity to uh, hear different perspectives on how people became lawyers and the work that we do. So, Chip, why don't you, well, first of all, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, Ryan. So can you, for the listeners that don't know you as well as I do, can you tell them a little bit about yourself and, and specifically how you came to
1: be a lawyer? Yeah, no problem. Love the show, first son caller, long time listener. I'm from Denver. I've been here since I've been four years old. My mom was a teacher. My father worked for the federal government. So he's, we have my two parents who have basically showed us to serve to serve our communities. My brother is a doctor. He lives in Casper, and so natural for me as the youngest, who's always questioning authority, always asking all the questions, to become a lawyer. I think I was probably destined to be a lawyer as a young child.
0: And w- how did you end up going to law school and then come back? That's part of your your journey. But can you tell listeners a little bit about the journey to Kalama Gosha through law school?
1: yeah so i'm i'm from denver i love denver but i love given my family background be like we've already we've traveled a lot we've lived in other places and for me going to school in colorado just really wasn't something i was hoping for i was really looking for new experiences and i found my way in charleston south carolina and it came down to and you'll appreciate this Ryan, because you obviously went to law school when you're thinking about law school, you're thinking of the school year and everybody loves Boston or New York or all those places. And I was looking at those, those cities for schools, but I wasn't going to be there during the good times of the year, the summer, whatever. I was going to be there when it was January, February. So it came down to the January test for me. And Charleston being on the beach, being a little bit warmer was naturally going to be better for me in my studying. If I could at least enjoy that work-life balance and not just be in the throes of it, those are great. And I, I, I love those cities, but it came down to the January test and that's why I selected Charleston. Yeah. I played some baseball in, in Charleston
0: when, in, in college. And I mean, it is a phenomenal city. What, why didn't you stay? If it was so, if the weather at the January, why, why not stay after law school?
1: That's a great question and probably a loaded one and maybe for our next podcast episode of Southern Living. But realistically for me, I wanted to live down there and experience it, but then I wanted to leave. It's always been a function of me coming back to Denver. My family's still here. I love the mountains so much. I do love the beach, but I'm definitely a mountain guy. I, I, I love to ski and be outside as much as possible. And obviously you're outside at the beach, but it's just a different, a different vibe. And I think It was great to go to school there. It's great to visit. It's great to study. But I am thankful to be back in Denver where I truly belong.
0: Now, Kalamagosha wasn't the first law firm that you've worked for. And so for clients, I mean, what what is the kind of work that you do? And as kind of part of that, can you tell people a little bit more about where you worked? Not not necessarily the the names, but the kinds of work that you uh, did before joining our firm.
1: Sure. You mentioned earlier about my journey, and it, it is kind of a journey because it's not linear. College, law school, work—I've been all over the place, and that's just sort of a flexibility of my personality. I was practicing law in Minnesota for three years. The last three years, or actually, I've been here for a year now. But so, my I lived in Minnesota. I practiced family law there as well as bankruptcy law, and I've. I worked as a paralegal previously in the metro area of Denver doing family law. So I'd been around family law for a long time. I've trapped this family law in Minnesota, and, but I added the wrinkle of bankruptcy. And it was fascinating because it was right during COVID, which obviously was a financial hardship for a lot of people. So I was having to do some pretty emotionally serious work during a pretty chaotic time financially for a lot of people during COVID.
0: Right and so you, you for, for us you're mostly handling family law matters on the front range and can you give an idea of what are the kinds of cases that you think that your strengths really lend themselves to is it bank divorces involving bankruptcy issues or can you give a little flavor of things that you've worked on and the things that you really gravitate to when it comes to issues or people or other things. I think listeners can pick up that you have a great sense of humor and you work well. I know that you work well with a variety of people. So, but maybe to drill down on that, what are the kind of issues and types of clients and cases that you think you're particularly good at?
1: Well, family law is amazing because it touches everybody. Everyone is affected by family law. And I think to sort of drill down on this, I work with a lot of dissolution cases, just normal divorce cases. I've done some high net worth divorce cases. I've done a lot of some cases where there's domestic violence involved, where there's child welfare issues involved, where there's grandparent visitation issues involved. What's nice about family laws is for being such a difficult area of law, it is to cover so much. It covers a ton of different stuff. So yes, I have experience in bankruptcies. I don't do so much of that um, right now, but right now I'm working in a lot of cases. I've I've had a few cases that are uh, domestic violence. There's a lot of uh, domestic violence flavor with that, which, you know, that means there's a criminal element as well. I'm obviously not a criminal defense attorney, but we do work hand in hand with criminal defense attorneys sometimes with our clients and really, I love advocating for families. I love advocating for children and I love advocating for my clients and when you're in A, if it's high conflict or low conflict, it's emotional, and divorces are very difficult. And I feel that one of my strengths is how I can just meet the client where they are, help them shepherd them through this pretty terrible, pretty not terrible, but rough experience during this rough chapter in their life, I should say, in, in a way that is not trying to make the process less overwhelming, so that they can feel. That they're not getting screwed over or that they feel like they're not losing. I mean, everybody feels that way, Ryan, in a divorce case. But really, it's my job to advocate for the best interests of my client, advocate for the best interests for the children, and really try not to burn everything down. Because most of the time, if these cases, Ryan, these people have to, if they have kids, they have to, a lot of them are going to have to co-parent for the rest of their lives. So my job is to get them through this process in a way that... I can set them up for the rest of their lives. I always talk to clients and they say, you're about to go through a period of renaissance. This is going to be a dark time for you these next few months or however long this divorce process is. And I'm just speaking about divorces right now through this divorce process. But once that's over, you get a fresh start, seemingly you get to have this 2.0, this renaissance of your time, of, of your life. And we'll feel that a lot of lawyers miss that mark and they just. They just want to get them through and just be done with it. And for me, it's an investment of my time, investment of my energy, and investment of care for these clients that are going through this difficult time in their life.
0: Yeah, one thing clarification, or at least I want to make sure that we we're on the same page with is when you say that you know people they always lose or at least something they, they I think that they feel. Like, maybe not that they're losing, but that they're the ones that are compromising. What I hear is like in our hypothetical divorce scenario, Eric and Melanie Wolf, Eric will always come to us and say, I feel like I am the only one compromising. Melanie's not doing anything. I mean, there is like no necessarily winning in a, a, a divorce because that pre- assumes that there's a loser. And there are certain circumstances where relocation, I kind of consider that there, there are some winners and losers in, in, in those kinds of cases. You can also go to trial on a particular issue and the judge could side with the party and they could be winning, but overall we're not like, there's not winning and losing except for what you mentioned. And that is when people three years from now come to us and they say, I understood what, you, you know, I understood everything. I made choices and, and like, I'm glad that I was able to go through that experience, not because I, it was an enjoyable experience, but I'm glad you were the one that was on my side and I am in a good position. I am I'm happier, I'm healthier, and I have a good relationship with my co-parent. And, but is that kind of what you Chip, in the sense of
1: walking people through that experience? Exactly. And that's great clarification because it's incumbent as us as lawyers to explain the law, to explain half forward or the change strategy or what we think. We never guarantee what a judge will say or do. We can just kind of say, this is, these are habits. This is typical or something, but it's incumbent on us as attorneys to make sure that we provide our clients with all the information because I find the client it's like it's. It's up to me to be able to, as we say, shepherd our my clients through this process, but telling them frankly, this position may not be a, a tenable position. This need to take a step back and see the forest and not the trees or whatever that phrase is. Um, But it's sad when I hear, because a lot of times we'll have clients maybe call us and say, I don't really like my counsel or whatever. And it's like, that as someone who truly cares about the law, it, it almost breaks my heart because this is an expensive process, an emotional process, and it's up to the lawyers to make sure that they are providing the wisdom and the knowledge and the empathy to get them through this. And I have found that if you're able to do that effectively, the, the chances of them saying, oh, I've won or lost are love. They're just going to say, yeah, that was tough. You have to give a little bit, you got to take a little bit. And then if you go to trial, obviously the judge is going to weigh in. However, the judge is going to Rule, we the best that we can do is put our best case forward and argue argue our case.
0: Well, I, I know you've handled some mountain cases. It's not just exclusively to the Front Range and some western slope cases in Mesa County. We have we're going to record a separate podcast on invalidating separation agreements. I know that is one area that you have had some experience with in terms of issues. But Chip, can you tell me a, a little bit about what are the things that you think? Callum Negotiate, like our firm does, that's different from the other firms that you've worked within or against? Where are the kind of things that you think are are different
1: about and that you've had to get used to in the last year that you've had to learn? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And actually, this is my one-year anniversary of being with the firm. But I I think the biggest thing is technology. Bef- what this firm uses, the amount of technology and the focus of using technologies firm is far and away better than any firm that I've ever been part of or that I've worked with. A lot of, I've even had law mentors that have called themselves theological dinosaurs. You hear that a lot with a lot of the older crowd who's been practicing for a long time and they're just, they're, they're, they've been practicing forever and they're really legal lines, but they're missing this, this technology component. And it's become such a big part of the practice of law that it's almost passing by a lot of these firms who just refuse to change or refuse to innovate. So I think just a great segue into the innovation is also a major foundation of what this firm is all about because if we, you know, we have these workflows. And what I love about this firm is that we try them out. We try these things, we try cutting edge things. If they don't work, we don't force the issue. We make changes. We, see, we try to figure, we try to problem solve and see, well, what else could we do that could maximize or make us more efficient in our, our work that ultimately benefits the clients because the less time that we can, you know, work on knucklehead things and put it to AI or, or, or whatever is, it's only going to benefit, benefit the attorneys. And more importantly, it's only going to benefit the clients. And that's the big thing for me in just working with other firms is just how focused we are and how well we utilize. Is it perfect? No, but how well we utilize. Uh, our technological resources. And it's impressive with this podcast, with email campaigns, whatever it is, we're just trying to always, and I tell my clients this, how do you eat a whale one bite at a time? And that's basically an ADR or a divorce process way to frame it is it's overwhelming. So if we have these emails, we have these podcasts so that they can take their own, the clients can take their own time and ask questions versus just Googling random law questions and getting some answer from who knows what the the source is, it's better. That way they know that, oh, okay, they've actually thought through this. This is actually based in Colorado law, not just some random Google search. It's effective. Yeah. And for people that don't know what the workflows, we had just had a
0: firm meeting, but we use internal checklists and they're automatic. So when you go in for surgery, there's a reason that the doctor puts L on your left leg if you're having surgery. And that's uh, just an internal checklist. And it's like a pilot where when you're going to fly, they have check this, check that. We have the same thing. It's pretty unusual. It's kind of shocking, but we have workflows where we make sure. And then the other kind of to put into context which is Chip just mentioned about the email campaigns, we have automatic email campaigns that go out to clients that explain various, you know, legal issues and also prospective clients. But really the the meat and potatoes is like when people hire us, we end up sending them automatic, you know, emails we don't charge for it. So but technology, that brings up one of the other issues I wanted to talk to you about. I know you're a big Music fan, and there's been a lot of technologic technological change within music. We have EDM. I, I don't know if you're an EDM fanship, but why, why don't you tell clients a little or or people a little bit more about your interest in music?
1: Yeah, that's a that's another great question. I I've been passionate about the music industry for a long time. I worked in the music industry lived in London. I worked for Warner Music in their legal and business affairs office. So I just enjoy the business of music and I enjoy, because so much of it is law-based. It's obviously the artist, but the, so much of it is the business and, and the law as, law aspect of it. I am an EDM fan. I like a lot of electronic music. I like a lot of music. I know this is an audio format, but I have my turntables with vinyl records and my basically annual studio. And it's, music is just such a passion of mine and such a such an amazing outlet and it's it's a great way to travel to to go to shows and and it's it's just a nice way to to live my life and go so i do a lot of music things i do realize that i probably go to too many shows but i don't know if that's really true if there are too many shows to go to so long as it doesn't take away from my work
0: well and another thing that might take a little bit of, of time away from your work is your uh focus on the english premier league and specifically your Support of Crystal Palace, so we can banter a- about that as we have during our one-on-one. So, for the listeners that don't know, what is who is Crystal Palace and what is the English Premier League?
1: Yeah, Crystal Palace is from South London. They are South London's number one. They are they've been in the Premier League now. This is the longest they've been in the Premier League. The Premier League is the top division of football in England, and every country has their own major. We'll say the major leagues. But so this, for football, they have Premier League's the top, second division is championship, the third division is first, and then the fourth division is, or the third division is second, whatever. But it's it gets it's a little like bit Yeah. If you're Gary, Reynolds, watch you know, that show. And yeah. live. Wait, Crystal yeah. Palace, it's a smaller team. It's not, I know you're a big Chelsea fan. It's not a big money team. We don't have Sovereign Wealth or Hedge Fund from LA where the owners are... Former, they're not former. That they're fans that saved the the team from bankruptcy in 2010. But I had season tickets for them when I lived in London, and so I went to all the home and away games. I have a lot of friends that are obviously still that have been part of the that have had season tickets since they were born, basically. And one of the guys that was one of my best friends, his dad has had season tickets since the 50s. And every time we'd go to the away games, John would always come with come with us, and still goes to the away games. And so it's just such a an Fun community. I love the American sports. I love all things Colorado, but there's just we don't have that community aspect that football teams have in England, like Chris Palace or even Chelsea. It's just a different. It's a totally different way to watch sports. But yeah, I'm the big time Chris Palace fan. Yeah, for listeners that
0: don't know, what Chip was referencing is I am a Chelsea supporter. I lived in England right after college and was in a house with a bunch of other coaches and teachers. And one of the tennis coaches, he, it was a bunch of South Africans and other Americans. And so the only English guy was a Chelsea supporter. And so that is how I came to support Chelsea. And one of my biggest regrets was not ever going to a game, but those, the cheering, the songs, the sense of community. I mean, it's not something we do within Kalamea Gosha. But I think when you have that connection with other like-minded people, it's one of the things that I love about sports and like, you are right that the sense of community around these English premier teams, and I think football or soccer just in general, like the same thing, Barcelona or Real Madrid, or I mean, it is, it's just amazing how passionate they are, but I think it's helpful for people to understand who you are as a person, Chip. And I think it's fantastic that you have these varied interests. Any kind of parting words of advice or observations about clients that you particularly click with as we wrap it up?
1: Well, and I I just kind of want to bring it back just up that last thing you just said, just sort of bring it back to the to this firm. What what sets us apart or what's what's different about our firm? And I think our focus on technology and innovation is, but also this sense of community. We all are like-minded people that you're careful. It's I can just tell I've worked in a lot of different firms all of us have had a lot of different jobs, but the collegiality within the firm and how we all work together, it's not just my caseload. We're all asking questions. I'm asking you, I'm asking Amy Gosha, our paralegals are top-notch. So we have that community feel within our firm, which I think is great. And it's attractive to clients because clients don't feel like a number and they don't feel like they get lost in the shuffle because that's just not what we're about.
0: Yeah. Well said. And thanks for uh, joining us, Chip. And for those that want to learn a little bit more about substantive areas, we are there is another episode with Chip speaking on invalidating uh, agreements. But until next time, thanks for joining us on Divorce at Altitude. Thanks for having me. Hey everyone, this is Ryan again. Thank you for joining us on Divorce at Altitude. If you found our tips, insight, or discussion helpful, please tell a friend about this podcast. For show notes, additional resources, or links mentioned on today's episode, visit divorceataltitude.com. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen in. Many of our episodes are also posted on YouTube. You can also find Amy and me at kalamea.law or 970-315-2365. That's
1: K-A-L-A-M-A-Y-A.law.